Welcome to Perspectives Unsettled, a podcast that exists to challenge our assumptions about faith and move the average Christian from status quo into boldness and action. I'm your host, Emily Luttrell. And I'm Ben Stewart. And with us today is Kathy Stewart. Woohoo! Hey, Kathy! Welcome to the it's podcast. my wife, just to clarify. Thanks, guys. It's good to be here. I can't believe this is the first time you've been on our podcast. Yeah. It seems strange. It's fine. I won't hold it against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to talk about friendship and relationship building and missions. But first, Ben, you're really excited about a question you have for us. I answer. am. Well, because of that theme, I'm, I'm glad you said that that's what we were talking about. I was trying to think of something that we could all relate to surrounding that theme of friendship, relationships, the importance of them. So this is actually like a twofold question because... Because one is like pretend and then the other one is like for real. So the first part of this question is, did you have an imaginary childhood friend? And if so, tell us all about him <laughs> or her. And then that's the, the follow-up question is, regardless of whether you had an imaginary friend or not, who who's the first person that comes to mind when you were like, seven years old and it was your best friend yeah Does that I, make sense? I feel like we've talked about this emily about imaginary yeah. friends mm -hmm. guys i have a little housekeeping thing too my microphone keeps sinking and it's already tightened as tight as i can get it so if every once in a while you hear the noise of me raising the microphone that's what's happening i will i will edit that out very professionally Great. i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> all right so emily i i feel like I feel like not only did you have an imaginary friend, I feel like there's a whole story. There's, I had an imaginary friend. Yeah. I was very imaginative as a child. So I made up a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, but the only imaginary friend that I, and this was more like a conscious decision on my part. I'm like, <laughs> I would like to have an imaginary friend. <laughs> Wait, so how old were you? What's the range oh, gosh, that your I imaginary friend existed? I don't know. Like age appropriate. So okay. like, so like this friend isn't still in existence. No. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, the only, like, it was very normal. Her name was Katie and she was like one foot tall. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You so know you, how tall she yeah, was. That's well, impressive. I mean, it was like, that was like the, I was like, imaginary friend you could do like whatever. And I'm right. like, yeah, you went just as small. Short. I went, I went Emily, my imaginary friend's name was Kate. <gasps> Whoa. Wait, yours was Katie? Katie. Yes. And yours is Kate. Yes. Uh, was she also one foot tall? I, I was never that specific, <laughs> but I remember her name. <laughs> I feel like I'm your one foot tall friend, Basically. but Kathy. Maybe so. that I have a lot of short friends. It might be. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So Katie is one foot tall. Mm -hmm. And did she like, did you have a personality? Was she like grumpy? Was she happy? Was she adventurous? Was she? I think the like. I think I was really into the idea that she was one foot tall and that was like all I needed. Oh, okay. Wow. So I was like, this yeah. is, this is who she is. Like she could crawl so into her, small spaces. Her height or... was specific yeah. to you, her I, being your friend. I feel like I really wanted an American girl doll. Mm. <laughs> so I made <laughs> that, one that's up. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now who is your real friend? Like in that seven, eight, six age range, like who is your, who's your buddy? Um, well, I was wildly popular. Oh. So I had, I had so many <laughs> Sorry. <friends>. Sorry <laughs> to make you pick. I can't possibly narrow it down. No, I mean... Kind I'm, of a big deal. <laughs> I I remember playing with lots of kids on my street. There's Jamie next door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were Boy pretty tight. Girl. She's a girl. Okay. 
yeah uh that's like i don't remember anything we we did sure like the ways we'd play or whatever but like she's there yeah <laughs> jamie's in the memory bank yep yep all right kathy so you've already revealed kate was yeah it? Kate. kate i and mean it- we were tight she lived in the my window I guess she was my reflection. (laughs) So she looked kind of like me. Okay. Yeah. Similar name, similar look. I get along so well with her. So you could call that narcissism, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Lived in your window. Yeah. Me and Mm -hmm. Kate, we were hanging. But when Kate you know, wasn't around. My real friend was definitely Courtney. Courtney with, Courtney with no you. I just want to specify. <laughs> <laughs> so not you, Courtney. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Just Courtney. Yeah. And I mean, boy, we were inseparable. Even like snow days, school got canceled. Our dads would drive us to each other's houses. Nice. <laughs> nice. And was, those were Wisconsin snow days. Oh, like, yeah. No actual, joke. We don't yeah. It's not like here yeah. where there's yeah. right. a dusting. Yeah. 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 We don't, we don't play in Wisco, you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Court. Good old court. Good old court. Um, You know, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't remember having an imaginary friend, but I wouldn't put it past me that I did have one. It's not that I'm too good for one. In fact, because I was homeschooled, I'm sure I needed all the right. relational Right. You didn't have help. like a whole classroom Definitely. full oh, of imaginary yeah. right. friends. Um, <laughs> it's just blocked out. Probably. I'm sure mm-hmm. my imaginary friend hurt mm-hmm. me somehow and yeah. offended me. And so I probably ended that relationship. You can unpack this in therapy later. Yeah. But my, uh, the real person friend that came, came to mind when I was thinking about this was Adam Prizio. Adam Prizio, mm. uh, as the name would suggest, comes from an Italian family. Mm. Adam, if you're listening to this, shout out wherever you are on the East Coast. <laughs> this was in Connecticut. And what I remember about his family is they lived on what probably is actually a, quite a beautiful piece of property. But when you're, you know, seven, you're not really. You're not into like property yeah, values. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. True. Right. So, but what I remember is like there was huge rocks and they had this forest that we would go build forts in. And they too were homeschooled, but they were like the exceptionally, I hope Adam, you're not listening to this. They were like the really <laughs> weird homeschoolers that like made their own bread and clothes and you know that sort of like Mm -hmm. before making your own bread was cool they made their own bread right i remember making sourdough bread with adam they were the ogs they were yep wow trendsetters yeah (laughs) do you still keep in touch with adam or courtney with no you definitely courtney with no you yeah we're buds Mm -hmm. i haven't seen adam in (laughs) decades (laughs) (laughs) In The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis writes that friendship is formed when two people discover they have something in common that they don't share with many others. He writes that friends are people who stand side by side, absorbed in some common interest. And that's a pretty simple definition. There's not a checklist of shared experiences, relatability, or chemistry required. The only thing a friendship needs is one shared idea, and it doesn't even have to be important or profound. I got to know one of my best friends because we both wore glasses and liked Lord of the Rings. And yeah, it seems pretty obvious, but in practice, it doesn't always feel that simple because it can be easy to assume that a meaningful relationship with someone from a different country, living in a different culture, speaking a different language, is just not really possible. But when the only thing that's actually necessary for a meaningful relationship is one shared vision, you find that it's totally possible to connect with people that might seem too different to relate to. And it's encouraging and it's good and it's fun. 
and in the context of international ministry, it's important. In this episode, we're talking about why it's important, and we're asking questions like, what role does friendship play in ministry and in international missions? What are the risks of involving personal relationships with ministry, and are they worth it? And how is relationship development important to the goal of sharing the gospel? So I think it's really cool that this is uh, the the focus of what we're talking about today, and um, want to start by giving just a little bit quick context for why we're talking about this today. We didn't just randomly pick the topic of friendship out of a hat. Um, Although we could do that with future podcasts. We could. <laughs> it we, seems a lot easier. Yes, you're right. To plan. Yep. No, but there is some context. Um, so I'll just share a few brief thoughts and then either of you ladies feel free to contribute to why we're focusing on this. But each year at Uncharted, I would say this probably started just a few years ago, actually, this this practice of kind of having a theme or a focus for for us as an organization. And so last year, um, the word was embark, and that really ca- encapsulated or, or captured this this spirit that we had and have of of moving forward. Um, that sense of you know it really had like a more I would say ministry focus in the sense of leaning into our name, Uncharted. Let's let's embark into those places. Let's expand in terms of the ministry locations, everything that you would think of when you hear that word embark. And so that's what shaped a lot of our focus. It's what shaped a lot of our content. It's what shaped things like Global Day um, and onward. And so this year, it's been, I would say, in a pretty organic way, but also in a very unified way, this idea of friendship seems to have really risen to the surface through the through the beginning weeks of this year. Um both in the context of like more formal staff environments when we've been thinking about this year, praying about this year, even planning and strategizing for this year, um, themes of friendship have come up. But then even in just the first couple of trips that, that either I've taken or other staff members have taken, this has been a theme that totally unlooked, unlooked for from us or by us, people have affirmed. This is something that we see as important, and I would even say unique to Uncharted, is this value of friendship, this value of relationships. And so, Emily, I think you were actually the one that, that maybe most formally suggested or put it out there that this would be our theme. Maybe maybe there will be a different actual word that we use, but at the heart of it, this idea of friendship. So just some quick context for why are we talking about this today, that this is more than just a fun topic to talk about, but it's actually something that very much shapes the DNA and value system of Uncharted. And it's also why Kathy's here because we, I mean, we're friends and we like talking. So like, (laughs) you're welcome to come anytime we talk about anything, but it's also part of your role as, cause you are on staff at Uncharted as well in your, you are a relational curator. Right. So this This, is kind of like your title, title, your thing. That kind of came up with that when I asked him what it meant. It means you're curating relationships. <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. I, I can do that. But I do remember, um, we actually have a director of intercession and prayer. And when she took us through some passages at the beginning of the year as a staff, something that stood out to me in the um, version of the Bible that we read, um, Jesus says, good friend, I will be your confidence. And I remember that word friend sticking out to me. And as we kind of went around the room, that friendship kind of rose to the surface. And I think it's important to start with the fact that Jesus is our friend, which mm. we kind of joke sometimes about. There's there's some, cl- you know, 
bad old Christian songs that maybe have that <laughs> phrase, <laughs> but it is true. Yeah. So it's a good place to start. And, you know, we have a relational God we serve. So I, I see it as really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is cool to have you on the team in this way, Kathy. And then, um, you know, recently also bringing on Colleen as our new director of development and, Though, you know, though they are titles and there's job descriptions and tasks that are accomplished, really the heart of your, of both of those jobs and yours especially is, is to really just elevate that value of relationship of whether it's, um, simple, but important things of writing personalized thank you notes to people who stand with us at Uncharted to, you know, spending hours at time over meals, getting to know people's stories um, finding ways to add value to them, our field partners overseas, helping with soul care gatherings. Um, that's, that's the heart of this role that you've stepped into. And I know we kind of joke about that relational curator title, but it, it really does capture well, like what we hope to see happen as a result of you being in that role is that our relationships with people are deepened and developed and feel healthy and strong. Yeah. I'm actually proud of our organization that, um, you're actually proud of it. I'm actually proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> that we see fit that this is an important thing that right. we're saying we're not just an organization, but um, we have hands and a heart and, um, you know, the people that we serve internationally, how we can help their, their people that deserve dignity. Mm. And the people that give and invest in Uncharted are people with a story and both sides of the coin are extremely important to us. Mm -hmm. And so um, we know good friends, that's what they do. It's never one-sided. We invest in who they are and there's a dignity about it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's good. So some of that language there um, helps begin to answer the question when we talk about friendship, what do we mean by that? Emily, I'm going to call you out here a little bit. So you kind of put together some thoughts on that. I'm curious to hear you uh, further answer that question from what Kathy just said. When, when we talk about friendship, what do we mean? Yeah, I I love talking about friendship in general. Oh, it's like one of my nice. one of my favorite topics. Oh, uh, so I have, a, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, and I think I think everybody kind of comes to the table with their own ideas of what a good and bad friendship is based on ev- like their experiences and people they know and stuff like that. Um, and I think it's easy to diminish friendship, the importance of friendship, um, and just relational connection as like somebody you have fun with, Mm -hmm. somebody you like being around who like makes you laugh. And none of those things, none of those things are unimportant. Um, but they're also, when we talk about wanting to develop a friendship with our donors or partners or field partners, it's not like we just want to feel cool Mm -hmm. or like we want to we want to find people we like spending time with Mm -hmm. um we want to find the right partners we can hang out with like Mm -hmm. that's not that's a a bonus and generally happens anyway right Uh, but that's not the goal and it's not the point of what friendship is um and i think for me sorry i'm getting lots of messages from my friends right now oh gosh (laughs) you're just so popular that never happens to me For me, I I already talked about the four loves in C.S. Lewis in the intro, but I think he does a really great um, job of kind of laying out 
what friendship really is. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's two people who have something in common and they want to, um, you know, they're, they're looking outward, standing side by side, working on this, the same thing together. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can, it can be dumb and it can be not dumb. And, you know, Mm -hmm when you're talking about international missions and the shared vision is sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. um, that's really important. And yeah. it's cool. Lewis in that chapter calls it like the, the most selfless love. Cause it's never jealous because you always want more people. It's like, I don't have less fun. Um, the more friends I have <laughs> essentially, or like, um, adding people to your group, makes everybody more essentially Mm. like the more the merrier Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's really cool to think about in the context of uncharted both with international field partners and people domestically of like we will only improve everything the more people Mm. we can collect under the shared vision yeah um and like there's just a genuine desire to serve one another Mm. Um, that comes out of friendship with no, like in true friendship, like there's no expectation. You're not keeping score. Mm. Um, you're not really even thinking about the, your relationship at the moment. Cause one of the marks of friendship is you don't really have to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think between the two of you that, you know, that encapsulates a pretty beautiful picture of, of friendship and what that looks like. Um, you know, and I think about in more specifically in the context of Uncharted, we have that phrase. So our vision statement is helping people do brave things to advance God's kingdom. And when you look at the the first half of that vision statement, helping people do brave things, so much of that actually is speaking to the relational side of Uncharted. Um, I, and honestly, now that I'm saying it, there's a lot coming to my mind. So I'll try to just say a couple things. But even even just that idea of like helping people that first of all, you have to be in enough relationship with somebody to to actually know how to help in a meaningful, healthy way. There's a lot of times in in the context of relationship, but especially with people we don't actually really know, where we attempt to help, and in the end, we end up hurting more. I mean, there's actual missiological books written <laughs> with that, that title. Yeah. Um, so and it requires vulnerability. Absolutely. So if there's not a relationship and trust, yep. you don't want to be vulnerable right. or it's harder to at least. Right. So I think that's something important for us to remember as an organization and and for the listener to remember just in in this whole venture of like coming alongside people is you you cannot insert yourself somewhere where you're not welcome. You cannot insert aid or help in a really I mean we all experience that in relationships with our best friends and relationships with our spouses. Like when we try to insert ourselves in a way or in a place that's not welcome, even though our motive is to help, it ends up backfiring, right? So like for us to live out the first part of that vision statement, helping people do brave things, that that demands of us, that requires of us that we spend a lot of time investing and developing relationship. I think the other thing, when I, when I think about that specific phrase, helping people do brave things, there's there's a particular scene. Um, it's either in First Samuel or Second Samuel. Not really sure which one or where, but I know it's in there somewhere. So you can have fun going to find it. <laughs> but there's this pretty obscure story of one of so so you have King David, and then he's got these uh, thirty 
mighty men or whatever they're called. Like they're these just crazy, insane warriors who do crazy, insane things. And I don't remember why, but there's this scene where two of them are surrounded by, I think it was the Philistines, most likely. The point is they're surrounded by bad guys. And I love it because the the way that it, the story is written is it specifies one of them turns to the other and says, "Hey, I want you to I want you to stand with me back to back, and whatever comes against my back, you'll protect, and whatever comes against your back, I'll protect." And that to me, like when I think about specifically in the context of Uncharted and what it looks like when we talk about helping people do brave things, that translates to very real people. So we talk about Donko, we talk about um, people in Central Asia. We talk about our friends in uh, North Africa. We think about David and Myanmar. And it's like, I love that imagery when I think about what does it look like for us to help people, quote unquote, do brave things, mm-hmm. is that imagery of standing back to back. And that it's it's two-sided, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not coming in as the Western savior saying, I've got your back. I don't need any protection from you though. But that actually, it puts your, like you said, Kathy, it puts yourself also in that place of, you're not only a protector, but you're also putting yourself in that place of vulnerability to say, I need protection too from you. Anyway, so that was a scene that came Mm -hmm. to my mind when I was thinking about friendship in the context of Uncharted. I have a much less biblical example of that as well. That's okay. (laughs) I learned on a different (laughs) podcast. But in this I looked it up and it seems true, so I hope it's true. But so like if in the in the olden days when people used horses to pull heavy loads, like if two horses are working together, they can pull like three times as much as one horse alone. Yep. So it like more than doubles. But if the horses have been working together and they know each other and they're best friends, then they can pull like five times as much. Oh, Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Huh. That's Makes cool. Sense. Yeah, I hope it's true because it seems really <laughs> cool. It fits. It feels this like really well. It feels like it should be true. Yeah, <laughs> probably even in the pro- in Proverbs somewhere, you know, it, yeah. something like that. I'm sure it's biblical in some yeah. way. Yes. So, all right, Kathy, putting you on the spot a little bit here. Um, Finally, someone else gets put on the spot yeah. in this podcast. <laughs> yep. Talking about relationships, definition of friendship, what this looks like a little bit specifically. Uh, with Uncharted in the context of our vision, helping people do brave things to advance God's kingdom. We all know, uh, and I can say this especially since we're married, that relationships are also filled with messiness. Um, so maybe let's talk about that a little bit. Like, I, I think that's a very real part of any meaningful relationship is that you walk into or oftentimes stumble into messy aspects. Um so the question would be, I guess, it's not a matter of if that happens in a meaningful relationship, but more just when. Mm. How, how do we walk through that well? So thinking about our own personal relationships, like how, how do we walk through the messiness well? But even translating that over to our, our field partners especially, um, we are going to disappoint them at, in, at, in some way and at some point, and maybe even vice versa. They're going to disappoint us. How do we walk through those messy times well? Like what are some key characteristics or values that are good to live out in order to walk through the messiness well? Yeah, I think something that comes immediately to mind, um, not only 
do we practice in our family and our marriage with our friends and then as a staff is this idea of we start with trust and good intent so we believe your intent is good mm-hmm. unless you cause us to think otherwise mm-hmm. and you know i can think of a couple of examples that we've come up come up against whether mm-hmm. it's our field partners just going through some hard stuff and there being sort of this like lack of communication which causes a rift or Mm -hmm. um you know with donors getting a piece of information that might be incorrect and just there being some miscommunication so um i thankfully i I don't think it's ever been really nasty but Mm -hmm. um i think because there's been a relationship built so Mm -hmm. there's a place of trust thinking i'm uh, going to assume you didn't mean this Mm -hmm. but i i need to hear from you what Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. and I think it's just a good, it could maybe come across as naive, but I think instead it comes from a place of that's what friendship is built mm-hmm. on is trust, vulnerability, and a, a room to say we need to work on our com- mm-hmm. communication or whatever that is. So Yeah, that's good. What would you add to that, Emily, to those aspects of trust and good communication, assuming good intent? Yeah, I think, I mean, all those are important. Um, and I think it's... I mean, even on other episodes of the podcast, we've talked about, you know, when in in ministry or in churches or whatever, like there are lots of examples of of the abuse of like relational mm. connection. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard when someone is your colleague and your friend and like your spiritual community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think trust and communication are like super important and also humility um which is one of our staff values too Mm -hmm. um of like acknowledging that not only is this possible but it's probably going to happen um and nobody's immune to stepping on toes Mm -hmm. um or getting their toes stepped on and like being aware of that reality i think is a huge part of um, how to heal from it. I think too, there's something to be said going off of what you're saying, Emily, about humility. Um, something I'm trying to learn every day as I get older is this idea, um, you know, Proverbs talks about, don't think that you are wise enough, be not wise in your own eyes. That Mm. idea that, you know, it goes back to friendship that there's this, um, I don't have everything to bring to the table. I'll bring what I have, but I, I wouldn't believe that I have all the answers. Mm. So I'm going to assume that we can work this out mm-hmm. because I don't, it's not black and white for me um, because I'm not wise enough. So mm. that that plays into that humility part. Yeah. So I like that. It's good. So with the acknowledgement that like, at some point, this is not going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> what, Ben, I'm curious. I think I I know how what your answer is, but I want to hear you say it of like, <laughs> so is it worth it then to like focus mm-hmm. on growing and building relationally and personally? No. No, I'm just <laughs> Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, that's what I had written down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, of course. I, I do think it is worth it. Um, I think... I think it's really significant and important to like in general, in life, in all capacities of life, but, but especially in the, in the type of work that we're doing, 
to, to see people as people first and not a means to an end. Um, it's really important to, to invest in the relationship and the friendship and let the quote unquote ROI or ministry impact be what comes as a result of that. I think oftentimes, too often, unfortunately, especially in Western contexts, it's the reverse. And so we say it's a friendship and relationship, but really we go into a relationship, quote unquote, with what can I get out of this person? Uh, and and I've been guilty of this next phrase too, of like, how how can I leverage this relationship to accomplish what I think needs to be accomplished? Mm-hmm. And that was something the Lord really convicted me of in the last ministry that I led is one of the key differences of an unhealthy leader and a healthy leader is the unhealthy leader, even if it has the facade of genuine friendship, is really going into a relationship with the key element of how can I get out of this friendship what I need in order to move my vision forward. Mm. And I think that that um, sadly oftentimes happens in church contexts and in faith-based ministry contexts. And we get really good at using a lot of Christian lingo to dress it up. And, and so I think it takes a lot more time and a lot more patience and even a lot more like permission to know this friendship may not quote unquote go anywhere or it may not quote unquote contribute to the vision in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, but that there's a willingness to say that doesn't matter. That's not the prime, you know? So, um, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I guess that's, I guess what I'm trying to communicate is that's how much I believe in. Uh, and have personally been convicted in that. And and frankly, I, I still stumble in that. Like I still have to catch myself um, maybe sometimes not pursuing a relationship with somebody because I know really the only reason I want to be in relationship with, with that person is because I see how it could leverage something. Mm. And so I have to catch myself and say, no, like if I'm trying to manipulate this friendship, then that's not really a friendship. Um so I can, I can stop there, but I, I guess that's what I'm trying to communicate is like, that's how important it is to me personally. But then that obviously spills into our organization and how we operate. Yeah. It almost goes back to the the tagline again of helping people do brave things to advance God's kingdom. It's not like that. Is that our mission statement or our vision statement? That's our vision statement. Okay. okay. <laughs> I should know, <laughs> but it's our, our vision statement is not like, um, converting people to Christianity or like right. baptizing right. people. It's like the, the purpose of Uncharted is to help people do brave things. Right. And so I think just making, putting that first on our website and yeah. seeing that is like, it really is just about the, these relationships and how we can support each other. Yep. Kathy, when you think about stepping into this role of relational curator and, you know, there's different groups of people uh, when we look at them, we 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 see ways that we want to keep fostering relationships. So, to use some of the uncharted insider lingo, we have our you know our partner churches, churches here in the U.S. that join us in mission. We have our field partners, who are the people internationally who we are coming alongside in mission, and then we have our our donor base, key stakeholders who believe and and are also passionate about this particular vision we have. Um, so when you think about, I'll, I'll say maybe just to pick one, the, the donor base, people who whose passions align with us, who are sacrificing their financial resources to support what we're doing. What do you 
um, like, what does it look like um, to <laughs> curate those relationships, to focus on the friendship side of those? Like, why is that an important piece in your opinion? I think it's pretty humbling that we get to lead this organization doing these things, helping people do brave things. And then to turn to people that give to this and just ask them, you know, how did you, why do you care about this? Mm -hmm. I'm, we are so honored that you would give to this thing that we also care about. So it just immediately connects you and just remembering their people. And then I think about kind of the other half of what I do is, um, having the relationships with our field partners Mm. i care about them so much as people and it's like man if you knew these these people that are giving to what you're doing it's just christians giving to christians yeah it's it's pretty powerful i mean it's the church and i think sometimes we get a little myopic like church is just my community of people that i see on sunday and throughout the week at my studies or whatever Mm. but it's like you're actually part of something bigger Mm -hmm. And I, I wish you'd get to know my friend Susu, mm. you know, yeah. over here in Myanmar, <laughs> because yeah. you guys actually both love to garden and you love Jesus. So you actually already have those things in common. You're overly qualified to be friends. <laughs> you have two things. Exactly. Because right. I like guess you only need one. Talking. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So th- to me, that's exciting. It makes um, God feel intimate. Yeah. Um, just because the, we're all his people, it makes the world feel smaller in a good way. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to brag on you for a second because I'm your husband and I get to do that, but it's cool because I do think, I mean, you and I often talk about how, you know, the, the, whatever level of skill set God has given me, it tends to be more like the visionary sort of out there, big picture, yada, yada. But what I love about who you are is you, you exactly what you just described, like you are heart. And you can so much better than me sit down with people here in the States who are supporting what we're doing. And you can be that voice of Susu. You can, you can be that storyteller. You can connect at a heart level um, and, and almost like bind those, like help create those friendships from a distance, you know, between two people that maybe have never met each other, but you sort of help establish those friendships without people even knowing each other. And I love just the heart that comes out from that. And I think, again, that's why the role that you're in is so important for us. Like we have storytellers, we have visionaries, we have planners, we have implementers, but we also need heart. You know, we need people who are representing the humanity, the humanness of of who we're supporting and standing with around the world. And that's what you're uniquely gifted to do. Appreciate that. I, I kind of... My heart gets me in trouble sometimes because heart <laughs> is passion. <so. laughs> it's good. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I think another thing that I just love to talk with donors about um, too is I think sometimes if it's people who can't go to some of these places, um, sometimes they feel like they're just money and they're not really doing anything. But it's like, man, our field partners actually can't survive without Mm. what you give so you are you are actually a part you are a part you're a huge part of it you are a catalyst you're propelling them um and without it you know that I mean they would still keep doing what they're doing but you get to be a part of it and that's kind of what we're talking about it's not like 
if you were to remove us, nothing would happen. Well, that's not true. But mm. the point is there's a relationship mm. and a piece of it. And everybody wants a piece of something that's exciting and big and purposeful. Mm. So whether you get to go or just give or just hear about the stories, you're a part. Mm. That's good. Have you seen like um, the change in somebody who like, like what is, what is the difference between in someone's experience of like, I just financially support these people and I feel connected. Like I would be curious, maybe you don't have a story and that's fine, but like, I would be curious, like what is the impact on a person mm -hmm. um, when they feel connected to somebody overseas? You know, it's crazy. I, just recently, I reached out to a gal. I just noticed she was in kind of this like random state. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I don't think we have anyone from Iowa <laughs> that gives to our organization. So I reached out to her and um, I just said, I'd love to know why you're a part of How did you even get connected? And she said, well, I moved years and years ago. I, I heard about your organization and I was giving to it. Um, but I'm still so connected that I want to stay even after I've moved mm. states away. And you're like, wow, that's a person who's impacted, you know, I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but I have seen people too. I mean, when you're giving to people, you know, and who you're invested in, I mean, I want donor, I'm a donor too. So I want to know that my resources are going to something that I really care about. I mean, we have a, a coach that teaches us like, if you're passionate about cats, give to cats. <laughs> but so, so I'm why not, would you give? I'm not, to clarify. Yeah, how I'm much do you give to cats? Right. Yes. Now we are not passionate about cats. So that's not something we give to, but if you were, <laughs> so that already tells me these people, we're all passionate mm -hmm. about the same thing. So I think one thing I would add to, to that question and this is also going to serve as a plug for something. <laughs> um, but what I've seen is, so we, we are doing uh, this very simple thing called a Basecamp Zoom Connect. And so if a, if a person is part of our Basecamp community, which is the monthly supporter at any level, um, we try to provide them some sort of quote unquote insider access to our field, especially to our field partners around the world. And what I've heard uh, the, the feedback that I've gotten from that is without leaving your house, you, you can have, you can read an email or hear names talked about on a podcast that just sound nebulous and are nebulous, you know, but when you get on these base camp zoom connects and you are staring face to face with, and all of a sudden you're hearing stories from the place where he is helping facilitate and lead work. And you're hearing stories of impact and he's telling his story about like his growing up years there. All of a sudden, um, what was just a random name or sort of a nebulous story becomes very real. And now I start to establish a relationship and a connection with this person. Yeah, His voice. His yeah name yeah space story. Yeah, yeah yeah so even even something as simple as that it's been cool for the the donors who have chosen to be part of the base camp zoom connects even to see them go from like i'm giving to uncharted because conceptually i believe in what they do 
to I give to Uncharted because now I see who I'm giving to and I've heard directly from their mouths the, the impact um, that's coming through these relationships. So that's something too that I, so if you are a Basecamp member, keep an eye out for the next Check your email. Zoom connect. Yeah. And that, um, this is another thing that we've talked about on other episodes of like the point of short-term mission trips now um, is Uncharted is not necessarily concerned with like going and doing, um, I don't know, volunteer hours somewhere. Yeah, we're not a short-term sending agency. We're not a short-term sending agency, but we do want people to go on trips and we want them to go so that they can have this experience just in a different kind of way. Like, um, one of the, one of the like cool and funny things is, um, yesterday I was talking to Will Barnes, who's been on our podcast before, who went on a vision trip last year. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, I just like text Donko. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Donko is going to be in the States this summer. Um, and Will's like, I just made plans to go see him. <laughs> like I, and then it was like talking to like, you guys like, is that okay? <laughs> I was like, no, you should like skip past yeah. us. Right. This is the point. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, the point of going and seeing and meeting these people is to, to learn how to love them more and better. Um, and if that happens and you bypass us, then like, I think we've succeeded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I think it goes back to the dignity thing. Mm-hmm. I think for so long, I guess the things surrounding missions and giving and whatever is like, look at us doing this mm-hmm. thing for people and um really there's there's a dignity you know we have names and faces mm-hmm. to our field partners they're not just something to give to right. they're people they're right. our friends we love them we happen to have access to some resources they don't and so it's a way we can mm-hmm. stand back to back with them and that gets to be our role you know yeah. um but i'm always man the the things they pray for about us and mm-hmm. our team and our donors i mean <laughs> they're lifting us all up in prayer yeah. and standing you know interceding for us just as we do for them so again friendship yep. dignity it's, yep. it goes hand in hand it's good okay so again I, I love how for uncharted this really is evolving and, and sort of elevating into a theme for us as an organization and and hopefully to the listener you've picked up on why like why this is so important for us as an organization and how it shapes the way we do things and why we do things etc um i guess maybe to to start to end this particular podcast i would throw the question out to each of us myself included um what would be one thing that we've talked about not just in relation to an organization, but in relation to friendship as a whole or in general, what would be one thing that we've talked about or mentioned that you would sort of put like an exclamation to for the listener? Like what's one thing that you would say, okay, as you think about your own friendships, whether it's with a best friend or a spouse or a colleague or whatever, um, what's one thing that you just sort of submit to the listener? Like, don't forget this. I feel like I've said this word several times, but it feels right then. <laughs> this idea of dignity. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I think of people in my life, and, and really anyone, it's just kind of like my thing, um, but my friends, whether they are 
international or local or whatever. Giving people dignity includes listening. Um, they're, they're a human and they have a story to tell. And, um, you know, for Uncharted, we care about not just going wide, but deep. And for my friendships, if there isn't depth, it's hard for me to call you a friend because um, there's not a vulnerability and mm. a dignity to that. Otherwise, it's just something kind of surfacey and acquaintance-like, which is fine. I have acquaintances too, but um, people, I think people want and need dignity. So um, just remembering every interaction you have, you know, this is a person with a story and a heart and a soul and we may have some things in common and we may not, but they deserve that dignity. It's good. When I think about like the thing that I value most about my friendships is like this idea that like we are all starting in like this kind of safe base level with each other and there's no need for pretense. Um, there's already an understanding that we love and accept each other. Um, and when I say safe, I don't mean like, um, they won't judge me for what I'm going to share or I can be vulnerable about things that are hard to talk about, but it's more just like, I, it's like a resting position. Huh. Maybe it's like, like my resting heart rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like when I'm with these people, it's not like elevated. And this mm-hmm. is kind of like my, my neutral where I'm starting from. Um, and I don't feel pressure to, to be anything other than like who I am and like what I am in the moment. Mm. Um, and that I'm like super blessed to have that with my friendships here, but thinking of it in like context of working together, um, in missions or in places that are hard, like just being able to provide a place for people who, um, this is a thing that they share with us. They don't share with a lot of other people. Mm. Um, you know, like there are, church planners in Myanmar who they're the only Christians in their village and that's where they live and work and they don't leave. Um, and so to be able to love people in this way that makes them, um, feel like, okay, I am like just at my most natural self right now. Mm. Um, and I don't have to think about whether that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's like to say that it's like an honor to provide sounds self-important but like i think it is important mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna lean into it and like <laughs> no it's, it's like really an honor to be able to um give that to people who don't have it um in the same kind of way that i might yeah it's good i think for me as we were talking the thing that stood out this time was um just that that phrase the potential messiness and I would say probably the likely messiness and I inevitable. Yeah. yeah, That's, that's the word I was looking for. Inevitable. Yep. And I think just because, um, real friendships almost like require that, like they require a a level of messiness for so many reasons. And yet, because like you talked about vulnerability several times, you know, the more, the more vulnerable we become, the more our true selves come out, the more our weaknesses come out, the more our, failures and shortcomings come out and that's where the messiness comes in in any meaningful relationship and so even though it's really hard and um can be exhausting and hard work to to walk through the messiness in a in a healthy way 
or at least to get to a place of health. I, I think like you have to have it. You have, you have to have that in a real meaningful relationship. And I almost call into question like the relationships that don't, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, we've never had a fight. It's like, well then really like <laughs> how real have you been then with yourself and with that person? Um, so yeah, I think, and, and even as I'm saying this, it makes me wonder like, what does this look like with our field partners? You know, like what mm-hmm. does messiness look like with our field partners? And it doesn't always have to be a fight. <laughs> That's, But even just the messiness of different cultures, you know, and um, how do we work through things and how do we not cause unhealthy dependencies on each other and ask too much of each other or like all the cultural faux pas that I'm sure I've committed in these different locations <laughs> where we work. And they're probably gracing me way more than I realize, you know, so there's probably a lot more messiness that I'm even aware of and they're, and they're gracing me in the ways that hopefully I grace them. So I think that's something that stood out to me in this conversation is, and something that's probably, I would think pretty applicable for, for all of us as, as listeners in on this conversation is like, how do I walk through, um, that inevitable messiness in relationships that are meaningful? housekeeping things here at the end. You may have already noticed, but we're moving to a bi-monthly release schedule, meaning we'll put out a new episode every other month. We love doing the podcast and we want to keep doing it at the level we've been able to without also killing ourselves in the process. So the new schedule means we'll have more time to prepare episodes for you and connect with more guests and experts in the field of missions and faith and culture. And speaking of missions and faith and culture, If there's a topic you want us to tackle or a person you think we should connect with, let us know. You can email me at emily at unchartedinternational.org with your suggestions, and maybe it'll be our next episode. Just make sure you put Perspectives Unsettled in the subject line. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode in April.